0: Hello, and welcome to Device Week, the weekly podcast with Tech Insight. I'm Editor Reed Miller, and with me today is Editor Marion Webb, and our newest edition, Barnaby Pickering. So welcome to Device Week, Barnaby. We'll start with what you've been working on this week. You wrote a startup spotlight article on a company called CoreWave, which is a French outfit that is developing a clever new type of LVAD. So for listeners who are not aware, can you tell us more about LVADs and why CoreWave believes they need to be revolutionized?
1: Yeah, sure. So an LVAD is a device that is surgically implanted within the body, which pumps blood from the left ventricle up and out of the heart to the aorta. The primary issue facing LVADs is that they have a really high complication rate. When I spoke to the CEO of CorWave, Louis Delilla, he explained just how bad the current situation is. According to him, nearly 80% of all patients fitted with an LVAD experience some degree of adverse effect within the first year after surgery. So LVADs have an incredibly low penetration as well, with only around 10% of the patients who could benefit from having an LVAD being given one. Despite this, the Bank of America values the LVAD market at around $900 million in 2019.
0: Okay, so clearly, you know, improving upon the physiological issues of existing LVADs has the potential to make the device manufacturers a lot of money. So tell us, how how does CoreWave expect to resolve these issues? And how will they remain competitive against a market leader such as Abbott? Uh, Yeah,
1: sure. So, I mean, as mentioned, LVADs have a really high complication rate. And this is due not only to the complexity of the surgery, it is literally open heart surgery, but also due to the fact that an LVAD is nothing like a natural heart. Most current LVADs, such as those offered by Abbott, use an impeller design to drive blood around the body in a continuous fashion. This is a real problem um, because patients fitted with these LVADs have no measurable blood pressure and they have no pulse. It is just a continuous flow. This causes improper valve and baroreceptor function within the body. And this is what CoreWave were trying to target. Their LVAD does things differently, it uses a fishtail mechanism to drive blood in like a rhythmic pulse, restoring these lost functions. CoreWave CEO Lillers was keen to highlight that CoreWave are actually the first company to design such a device, meaning that a competitive edge is implied simply because how far ahead they are in terms of development. He was also keen to point out that CoreWave is not a one product company. They have a second device, Nemo, which aims to serve patients who do not yet need an
0: LVAD, but do need some form of cardiac assistance. So how's uh, CoreWave doing in terms of raising money to make these goals a reality?
1: Uh, Really well, actually. Um, Since its inception in 2012, they've built a really, really highly qualified team of engineers, but have also managed to achieve three rounds of funding. In 2013, they were given 3.3 million euros in Series A financing. This was followed by a further
0: 15.5 million three years later. Okay, so Coreway recently secured even more financing uh, from an interesting stakeholder. Can you tell us all about that?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. On January the 6th, 2021, Corewave Ra- raised a further 35 million euros, and they became the first business ever to incorporate the European Commission as a stakeholder. This final round of funding is going to be used to fully establish their production site and push its devices to trial. When I spoke to Lillas, he told me that uh, history has shown that LVAD companies can reach the market within less than three years after the first inhuman implant.
0: And this kind of points towards a relatively short wait for Corewave. To market their first device. All right, well, thanks for that, Barnaby. Uh, that's a great job on your first piece for MedTech Insight. So now I'm going to go talk to Marian. So, Marian, last week was a huge week for MedTech with three major conferences going on at the same time. There was the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference, of course. Uh, we had Informas Connect's uh, biotech showcase in San Francisco. And then, of course, the annual North American Neuromodulation Meeting. So, that's a lot to pack into a single week. Um, But, of course, this year was different than any other year in the past because all three of those conferences were held virtually, as, of course, we're still dealing with the ongoing pandemic. So MedTech Insight, of course, captured as many of the highlights as we could from all the conferences with the Roundup stories and features and some deeper dive stories still to come this week. Marion, you kicked off the JP Morgan coverage with a story on Ernst & Young's EY M&A Firepower Report. They gave an outlook on M&A activity in this industry for 2021. So what can you tell us about what they found?
2: Yes, Reed. So in spite of many procedures getting postponed due to COVID-19 in 2020, EY predicts that MedTech's firepower, which the consulting firm defines as the ability to do M&A based on a company's market capitalization, cash balance, and debt capacity, is nearly $500 billion U.S. billion, which is an all-time high for the sector.
0: That sounds like a lot of firepower indeed. So the question is, will companies be using that firepower for M&A or maybe sit on the sidelines, given that the resurgence of COVID cases in Europe and the U.S. and many hospitals are putting electro procedures on hold?
2: Yes, so that is definitely the big question, but the EY research suggests that the majority of medtechs have significant growth gaps, and that is the difference in a company's sales growth relative to overall market growth, and we'll be looking to M&As to close that gap. In
0: an interview with the consulting firm's America's MedTech leader, John Babbitt, what did he tell you about some of the drivers and barriers to M&A?
2: So yes, um, I spoke with John Babbitt and he believes that many of the bigger companies focused on preserving cash and funding R&D rather than M&A spending in 2020. But the biggest players also saw a 21% rise in debt financing and follow-on financing, which is the highest level at any point in the last decade and they will be looking to put that money to work. The deployment of vaccines could set up 2021 for a very active M&A year. And Babbitt expects that diagnostics and digital health solutions will see some of the most activity in deal-making. So as far as barriers are concerned, With COVID, cases rising, of course, many elective surgeries are being put on hold again. Um, So the fourth quarter of 2020 looks a lot like the first quarter when the pandemic began. So the ongoing uncertainty surrounding the pandemic will certainly play a role in M&A activity in 2021. Another consideration is that IPOs rebounded in the second half of 2020 with spectacular valuations, which Mr. Babbitt expects will continue into 2021.
0: All right. Well, thanks. That'll be uh, obviously very important to follow with one of the big things that we cover.
2: Yeah. So now over to you, Reid, though. You've been following up on the North American Neuromodulation Society meeting, which was online, of course, this year. Um, What were some of the biggest highlights from that meeting?
0: Yeah, so it was different this year, of course, without the usual opportunities for talking to people face-to-face. But the uh, big companies developing neuromodulation devices still use this meeting as an opportunity to announce a few of their latest inventions. So one company I mentioned is Nevro, which is not nearly as well-known as maybe their, their big competitors like Medtronic um, and Boston Scientific. Now, in this space, they have a unique technology uh, in their HF10 spinal cord stimulation therapy. Hf ten is the name they use for their ten kilohertz waveform, and that's delivered by their Sensa implantable devices. So there were two fairly important presentations of trials of Sensa devices that was presented at the meeting, and they both showed that Sensa therapy with medical management works way better than medical management alone uh, in patients getting deeper in stimulation. Uh, one of those trials was the Sensa PND trial, and that looked at the therapy in people with painful diabetic neuropathy, and that showed that. 85% of the people treated with Senza had at least 50% improvement in their pain scores over six months, and just 5% of the people who were only treated with drugs showed that level of improvement. So, obviously, that's a huge difference. Now, based on these outcomes, the company has already asked the FDA to expand the indication for its Senza systems to include these patients with diabetic neuropathy and expects the agency to approve that uh, label expansion within a year. Now, that makes sense that the only device approved by the FDA for that particular indication. And the company thinks that's about 2 million people in the U.S. every year that could benefit from this particular therapy for that indication. The company also talked about uh, the results of a study that compared Senza to just drugs in people who have severe lower back pain or leg pain and are not surgery candidates. Now, right now, the biggest market for spinal cord stimulation are people who've had a surgery that didn't really work. But uh, Nevro Senza Omnia, which is the newest version of Senza, is already FDA approved for these non-surgery people. Uh, but hardly any of those patients are getting spinal cord simulation right now because there hasn't been a lot, lot of hard evidence that that kind of patient would benefit from them. So the company ran a uh, or sponsored a, a major randomized trial. And just like the PND trial, that showed about the difference between about 85% of the people you know, getting the device showed a response, whereas under 10% of the people who didn't get the device showed a response with just drugs. So the company is hoping that that will help convince payers to cover it for these non-surgery patients and also get more doctors to think about referring those kind of patients for this therapy, even if they haven't tried surgery yet.
2: We thank you for that. And was there anything else that you got from the meeting?
0: Yeah, so there's a lot going on in both spinal cord stimulation and deep brain stimulation. And I'm hoping to uh, cover a few more of those highlights later this week. The next big overall development in neuromodulation is going to be figuring out how to make these devices so that they can both they can accurately sense what's going on in the neurons and respond to that specifically rather than just continuously stimulating a certain target in the spinal cord or in the brain now medtronic had a couple of announcements kind of related to that kind of closed-loop technology both in spinal cord stimulation and deep brain stimulation. I interviewed a few key people from Medtronic and we'll have a piece about that soon. There's also a piece already on the site about Boston Scientific's new Wave Writer Alpha spinal cord stimulator uh, that they launched, sort of coincided with the nonce meeting, And that has a unique algorithm that works very fast. In fact, it's called FAST, Fast Acting Subperception Therapy. So you can read about that on the site right now. Abbott is launching a mobile app you know, for the iPhone uh, that can help patients with spinal cord stimulation, navigate the whole process of getting the device and using it and, Trying it out. So look for something on that too.
2: Thank you, Reed. We look forward to reading more from Nance this week. And of course, we have a lot more coverage on the JP Morgan conference at medtechinsight.com, including daily roundups of medtech highlights during the four day event. And this week, you'll also be following up with continued coverage on some of the panel discussions at JPM and also take a closer look at SPACs, which are corporate shells formed to pursue deals. As Reed said, We'll have more from the NANS meeting, and he's also working on something about CMS finally agreeing to extend Medicare coverage to transcatheter mitral valve repair. We also have a few articles about recent mergers and acquisitions, all the regulatory news, including how the new president and Congress in the U.S. could impact the medtech industry and a lot more. You can follow us on Twitter at medtech_insight. I'm at MedTech Marion, that's spelled M A R I O N. Weed is at MedTech Weed with two E's. And Barnaby is at MedTech Barney, B A R N E Y. Thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your week.